Welcome to Preheated, kitchen wisdom and friendly chat from two friends who love to bake. I'm Andrea Ballard in Olympia, Washington. And I'm Stefan Cohn in London. Every week, we celebrate the successes, failures, learning, and laughs that go hand-in-hand with baking for those we love. Today, it's our holiday gift to you, a bonus episode to take advantage of December's fifth Monday. We'll review our brigadieros and award a blue ribbon to the confection we felt the most affection for this month. Plus, we'll recap our 19 for 19 baking resolutions so we can ring in the new year looking forward to 2020. So grab yourself some coffee and get ready for some sweet talk. Andrea, I need some preheater help. Oh, I stand by, ready to serve. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping our listeners can really help me with this as well. As you might remember, my London stovetop is an induction cooktop. And if you're not familiar with that, it is completely smooth and it uses um, induction through the bottom of your pan okay. to heat up. So it will only heat up if there's a pan on the burner. And there's lots I really, really love about it. But as we were making our licorice last week, Mm -hmm. and then again when I was making our brigadieros that we will review in just a moment, there's a lot of time at the stovetop with a hot sugar substance. Okay. And you are are stirring, and you're there for a long time. And my pot kept slipping. Oh, no. It really, really bothered me, and I thought this could go badly wrong sure. I mean it's not just candy making you know it's a pot of pasta boiling mm-hmm. water it's it's anything so I'm really wondering if there are some suggestions out there from people who have this kind of cooktop is it my pan is it something I can put on the bottom of my pan it seems like a real safety hazard to me mm, well I'm stepping down from my offer to serve because I don't have <laughs> an induction stovetop okay but- That definitely sounds like an issue. Um, Luckily, we've got the best listeners in the world. So I'm confident that someone will have a suggestion or at the very least be able to commiserate with you so you know you're not alone in this. Yeah, my – you know, for the time being, my stopgap has just been to put it on the furthest burner back that I can. Okay. So it has, you know, more space to go if it starts <laughs> to slip. But still, it's, you know, those hot sugar, we say it every time we make something with that. Like, it's no joke. You want to be really yeah. careful. And so I just am I'm trying to have my kitchen safety and would love to hear from anyone who has that or has some tips and tricks for me to try. Yeah, I'm confident we'll get some good suggestions. This week, we are talking about those fabulous brigadieros, otherwise known as the Brazilian National Truffle. <laughs> Love it. it. Comes from Severe Magazine. And last week in episode 156, we talked about the ingredients and mentioned that since there are so few ingredients, you definitely want to use the highest quality ingredients possible. So I thought yep. we'd start off talking about the ingredients that we used. Absolutely. So you're starting off with some unsalted butter there. It's four tablespoons or that weighed in at 57.6 grams for me. Of course, here in London, I'm so spoiled for choice with all the European style butter and that's what I used. Andrea, did you splurge on a Kerrygold or something like that? I did. I used my Kerrygold butter and 
I like using that extra high-fat butter. And I Mm. also feel like that butter has less water in it. And so I thought with this recipe being this dense, fudgy truffle, you know, that would be a good place to use it. Yeah, excellent. Next is heavy cream. Of course, we call that double cream here. And that's uh, so thick and so rich, a really delight to always cook with that. How about you? Yep. I use that new heavy cream that I found. I mentioned it on an earlier show from a farm in California, and it's a 40% cream. I love it so much. (laughs) Oh my gosh, 40%. Yes. Putting the heavy in the heavy cream for sure. Lovely. (laughs) But my real excitement is something that I found in the third ingredient. Stefan, this is episode 157, and obviously Mm -hmm. we have been using chocolate chips all the way since probably episode zero. In fact, fact, I think it was episode nine where you mentioned how much you loved the Kroger's brand private selection (laughs) chocolate chips. I do. They're a really good bargain buy. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought to myself, well, that's that's great for her. Um, You know, (laughs) I bet those are good. I like Ghirardelli, but I never had any particular affinity for a a particular chocolate chip until I found Uh – I recently bought a brand called Equal Exchange. They are fair trade, organic, and they make two types. They make a 55% cacao semi-sweet and a 70% cacao bittersweet. Stefan, this is the best chocolate chip I have had in my life. Whoa, that is a bold, bold claim. I can't tell you how different I feel it is from your Nestle or your store brand. None of it has any of that white powdery on it. Mm -hmm. They're glossy. They're dark. They're beautiful. They're tasty. I mean, I just want to encourage everyone who can get their hands on this stuff. Again, it's the Equal Exchange brand, um, and I think it's absolutely fabulous. So, of course, I used it here in these fudge balls where chocolate is such an important ingredient. And Chocolate is so important. I used a really nice dark chocolate guitard mm. and then a milk chocolate as well because semi-sweet, harder for me to come by. So I chopped both of those up and three ounces is actually not a lot of chocolate as I no. think we're going to maybe talk about in a little bit. So um, yeah, splurge on some really nice chocolate there. And I'm going to have to check those chips out when I when I head back stateside. And speaking of not a lot of chocolate, the next ingredient is unsweetened cocoa powder, and it's only one tablespoon. Yes. So here, too, I went with something a little bit fun and exciting. I bought the black cocoa powder from King Arthur Flour. I've had my eye on it for a while. I really wanted to try it. And when you read their instructions, they mention, you know, this is a super dark cocoa powder and you want to use it sparingly and so I thought this is perfect Perfect. I'm not about to use it in a recipe that calls for you know two-thirds a cup of cocoa powder but here where you only need a tablespoon I thought it was just perfect you know it's just so dark the color is incredible and you know if you look down although this doesn't have any sugar any granulated sugar in its raw form you know Aside from the cup of chocolate sprinkles, which are, of course, sugar-based, the two cans of sweetened condensed milk, you know, that is so Mm -hmm. sweet and is really going to be fine to be offset, I think, by a more bitter chocolate and or a more bitter cocoa powder. So I went with my dark chocolate, and it's a green and black's organic, Mm -hmm. also really strong flavor. And I think think they're sweet enough to stand up to them. So I had no problem. Loved that. Yeah. 
The next ingredient is a cup of chocolate sprinkles. It's funny, chocolate sprinkles are in multiple places in my grocery store. I found that so funny. They're in the Why? spice aisle. They're in oh, like yeah. a separate sort of cake decorating aisle. They yeah. were on some end caps. And oh. I had picked up multiple bottles of the smaller size. And then I mm-hmm. found a big size bottle um, that was okay. a better value. And it was from a company that I've mentioned before. It's from Seattle. It's called the India Tree. And I buy my dark Muscovado sugar from them. So okay. I was excited to get my chocolate sprinkles from them as well. Yeah, I mean, I think sprinkles in general, and here you're using a really big quantity, mm-hmm. they can taste like plastic, yep. in my opinion. And so Searching out ones that you just like the flavor of by themselves. And I know that's kind of a odd thing to suggest, but like taste your sprinkles. I agree. You know? Yeah. 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 You want them to be good. They're going to be totally coating these these uh, truffles. Yeah. Sprinkles for me kind of fall in the category of something to put on treats for kids, but mm-hmm. not something to enhance an adult's experience. And mm-hmm. that's why I wanted some really good chocolate sprinkles as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The final ingredient here is, as you mentioned, just the two cans of sweetened condensed milk. That's right. So then you're going to start your cooktops and bring that butter, cream, and milk to a boil in a four-quart saucepan on a medium heat. Once that happens, you'll add your chocolate and your cocoa powder. Reduce it to low and then get settled in because you are cooking that, stirring constantly. We said last episode when we introduced this until the mixture is the consistency of dense, fudgy batter, about 16 minutes. Andrea did take me about about 15, 16 minutes. Did that time frame work for you too? Well, it did work for me. But Stefan, as you can imagine, I really had to contemplate whether I was going to stir constantly for 16 minutes. I mean, there's just not much in my life I do for a full 16 minutes, much less stay in one position and stir. I was kind of excited. I recently replaced my kitchen stools that are at our bar in our kitchen. Yeah. And they were backless. And I replaced them with new, uh, sturdier, heavier stools that have backs on them. So I got myself settled into my new stool with a nice, comfortable back, and <laughs> nice. I set my timer for 16 minutes. And when I had eight minutes left, so when I was halfway through, okay. the mixture was already really thick. Okay. And then when I had cooked it for 13 minutes and I had three minutes left, it was really thick. Like, okay. Okay. you know, more than coating the spoon. And I kind of got nervous. I thought, should I keep going? But since I'd never made this before, I, I did want it to follow the instructions. So I did cook okay. it the full 16 minutes. And it okay. definitely was a dense and fudgy batter. So at that point, you must resist the temptation to eat it warm. Must you? You'll have <laughs> no judgment from me if you wanted to take a few bites at that point. No judgment at all. Yeah. But then you are putting the rest in a bowl and letting it cool. I put mine in the fridge and it says at least four hours. I came back to this the next day. How about you, Andrea? Yeah, I did the same thing. I transferred it to a bowl. I put it into the fridge. I left the house and I have to say about two hours later, I was driving along probably singing (laughs) singing some Christmas music and I suddenly had this massive panic attack when I thought, there was some sugar in that recipe. Oh, oh right. Yeah, you know? Just, yeah. And and I know at the top of the show here we talked about how all the sweetness was there, but when I was making it, it just didn't occur to me that there was no sugar. And so I was convinced I had left it out by mistake. Oh no. And I was so upset. And then I got home and I looked at the recipe and confirmed that indeed there is no sugar in this recipe. 
<laughs> I thought you were going to say that you had a panic attack because you hadn't put like a note on it. Like I had to do, don't eat this. Oh. So <laughs> <laughs> that would have been smart. Yeah. It says chill until set for at least four hours. I mm-hmm. started to try and roll mine at four and a half hours, and it mm-hmm. was too soft to roll. Okay. I could not – I could get it out of the bowl with no problem, but then it was just all over my hands. So okay. I decided to put it back in the fridge, and meanwhile, I read a little bit more about shaping them. And numerous people suggested that you rub softened butter all over your uh, fingertips and your palms, yeah. and yeah. that's what I did. I pulled it out again at about seven and a half hours, put that butter on my hands, and then it was really easy to roll out. Now, it says using a tablespoon. I found a tablespoon made them way too big. And the serving size recommended on this is two dozen or 24. I ended up with 48 balls because I went with, you know, the half a tablespoon size. How about you? Yeah, I went with, at first I was like, I'm taking my cookie scoop in, and I did that, and then they were these enormous, and you think that'd be good, but they're very rich. So I think with you two, downsizing, just a bite is all you need. And, you know, Andrea, rolling them in those chocolate sprinkles is really crucial. Not only does it look really festive and cute, but it also stops it from being sticky on your hands. So when you're eating them, uh, you know, you can actually pick it up if you need to. You can also then pop them back in the fridge once they're formed and in their little cupcake liners and then just chill. I also thought this recipe was very easy to, you know, make a dozen, stick the bowl back in the fridge, Mm -hmm. whip out another half dozen. I didn't feel like I needed to make it all at once, and I don't think that that batter suffered from being refrigerated longer either. I agree. I didn't make them all at once. In fact, as I mentioned last week, you could do some variations on the chocolate sprinkles. And as part of our, you know, waste not, want not, finishing up our 19 for 19 resolutions, I had a few leftover sprinkles. I had some pearl colored ones and I had some light blue colored ones. And I thought those would be really pretty. But I've now learned that there's another reason for using those chocolate sprinkles. Yeah. If you use light colors, they get sort of stained with the chocolate as you roll them about. Oh, sure. Okay. So so they just don't look so pretty. They're just not as pretty. Okay. So I only did, I only ended up doing a couple of those white sprinkles and the blue sprinkles just because of looks, not because of flavor. And then I went back to my chocolate sprinkles. Well, Andrea, I know these are treats from Brazil, but I have to tell you what they reminded me of the most was a hot fudge sauce from a very famous ice cream parlor in Detroit, Michigan, where my mom grew up, called Sanders. Have you heard of Sanders? No. So Sanders is famous for its hot fudge, and they have a recipe that has been circulating in newspapers, and it's probably online at this point for years. And the secret, this is not a spoiler, it's out there. The secret is that there's a whole bag of caramels in the chocolate sauce. Oh. That is what I was reminded of as I was eating these. You know, they're called fudge truffles, but to me, they were more like a chocolate caramel. I could not get enough of them. I wanted to eat it with a spoon. I did eat it with a spoon. (laughs) (laughs) I dearly love these. I think we found a new holiday treat. My kids loved them. My kids would like me to make another batch this very moment when I'm done recording. They had a lot of fun rolling them out. I thought they were just great. I I, I can't say enough great things about them. I loved them. Oh, I wanted to love these as much as you did, but 
what they most reminded me of was a jello pudding pop. What? I, yeah, I just oh. was I, I I love chocolate truffles and I love that really dense truffle. This was much softer. It was it was like yeah, pudding. It's a caramel. I really felt it's like a caramel. I was yeah, I felt like I was just eating a little bowl of pudding. I'm not a huge pudding fan, um, and I kind of couldn't get over that softer texture. I thought the flavor oh, wow. was fine, but it didn't make me jump up and down. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think what I need to do is go to Brazil and have them at the source. Well, <laughs> don't we all? Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, preheated road trip, as we like to say. Yeah, it's really interesting that we had such different reactions. I mean, I guess it could come down to ingredients or cooking time or something like that. But my consistency was not soft. It was definitely like a thick caramel. Mm. So I think that mine was just more set to begin with, which may have made a difference to you as well. Well, listeners, remember, we will have a link to this recipe we've just talked about today in the show notes for this episode, which is episode 157 on our website, preheatedpodcast.com, as well as in our Facebook listeners group. Well, Andrea, it is the fifth Monday. That is our bonus Blue Ribbon episode, as listeners know. So let us recap what we have made during this fun and festive Confection Affection Month of December. In episode 154, we reviewed the marshmallows from Foodie with Family. In episode 155, we pulled out some pretzel and nut mix from David Leibovitz. Last week in episode 156, we had both the red licorice from Gluten-Free on a Shoestring and the black licorice from Dessert for Two via Food 52. And of course, this week in episode 157, we're talking about the Brigadieros from Savior. Well, Andrea, it's been a great and really varied month. So let us know, where is your December bonus blue ribbon going? My December bonus blue ribbon was so easy for me to pick because it was the thing that I absolutely loved, found incredibly easy, and thought made a great gift. And that is from episode 155, the pretzel and nut mix from David Leibovitz. Oh, my gosh. Did you gift it? Did you make it again? Is it on your list for making again? Yep. I've made it multiple times. I've served it at a party. I like that it makes a decent-sized batch. I mean, it's two cups of nuts and two cups of pretzels. So you've got about four cups of a mix, but you really only need to serve it in a small bowl. And so I've been putting it on my fruit and cheese and salami platter that I would serve, you know, sort of as an appetizer. And I just think it goes really well with that. I still like it best uh, warm out of the oven. And a couple Mm -hmm. of times I have reheated it in a low, just 200-degree oven before I put it in the bowl and put it out and I've gotten rave reviews on it. I just think it it hit all of my happy points. And you know me, I love my sweet and my salty together. So I think for me and my family, this one was just a huge hit. How about you, Stefan? Where did your blue ribbon fall this month? Well, probably no surprise, although I would like to give a shout out to the marshmallow fluff. We both really loved that fluff. fluff. We loved the fluff from the marshmallow recipe in episode 154. And I think that's just going to be one I'm going to hold on to when I need marshmallow fluff. I'm going to really consider making it myself. It was really, really fun and it was delicious. But my favorite, probably no surprise, the Brigadieros from today's episode, episode 157. We have a new family tradition. My family went absolutely over the moon about these. 
They were fun to make. They were unexpected. I thought they were so cute, bite size. Yeah, easy to eat a lot of them, I will say. (laughs) Well, and I can't wait for listeners to see your photo because the way you staged them into a little Christmas tree I think is great. If you are hosting a holiday party, it would be such a fun way to – plate you know plate them and put them out yeah and as the year changes you can change the shape so you could make these for halloween and put them in a pumpkin shape or you could make them at easter time and put them in an easter egg shape shape i think that would be really fun yeah i had a great time this month i think we had such a varied amount of things and i hope our listeners really enjoyed it too and they can let us know what they most enjoyed confection affection wise Yeah, and it was especially fun to knock off a couple of things on my list that I never considered making at home, like marshmallows and licorice. So thanks for um, putting that challenge out there for me. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, of course. Back in January, we set ourselves a challenging and fun set of baking resolutions. So as the year comes to a close with our last episode of 2019, it's time to take a look and see how well we kept to our goals. In October, we did a pretty thorough recap of our progress to date. That was back in episode 145, and we were both in good shape. I'd done everything but my gingerbread, my bush de Noël, and the angel food cake. Also, I still had to finish all 10 recipes from my five new cookbooks. And I needed to make marshmallows and more Turkish delights, which was my catchphrase for baking and eating more Turkish foods. And also remember, listeners, there's a handy PDF in the show notes for episode 108 that has the full list of our resolutions. So, Andrea, here we are, only one day to go in 2019. Did you get to the last three bakes on your list? Well, my gingerbread is done, and it was fabulous. I am so, so happy with it. Okay, tell me more. All right. Well, remember back in episode 118, I mentioned Ruth Reichel's fiction book called Delicious. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's a gingerbread recipe that is a key plot point in that novel. The main character, Billy Breslin, gets her job by preparing this gingerbread for a magazine editor. Okay. It's different because it doesn't use molasses. Instead, it has a slew of fresh ground spices like pepper and cardamom and cinnamon, along with a quarter cup of freshly grated ginger. And I was lucky enough to find young ginger in my grocery store. Hang on a second. Young ginger? That's a new term for me. Yeah. My co-op carries it seasonally. It has a milder ginger flavor with a hint of sweet fragrance. And Mm. it's really pretty. It's a light cream color. And the skin is almost translucent instead of brown. Oh, yeah. And it has a pink shoot. Unlike mature ginger, which is pungent and fibrous and spicy, young ginger is tender and juicy. I also used fresh satsumas from the market for the orange flavoring in the gingerbread. And to make it even more exciting, I made the gingerbread in a birthday present I gave myself. Yes, I finally purchased (laughs) the Brilliance Bunt Pan from Nordicware. Oh, I am so jealous. Love that. And I'm guessing you used copious amounts of Baker's Joy for easy release. (laughs) Yes, indeed I did. And bonus, the way this pan is designed, it makes slicing and serving so easy. So this gingerbread is really a five-star recipe for me. I can't say enough good things about it. Now, I'm not letting myself off the hook for the Bouche de Noël and Angel Food Cake, but 
If I'm honest, I have to say that as of recording time, I haven't yet made those. But if I get them done by the end of the year, I promise I will post pics with an update. Okay. And on my 10 new recipes, the latest ones I've tackled are the cardamom buttermilk panna cotta and the olive oil and maple granola. And both of those came from salt, fat, acid, heat. Yeah. Both of those recipes tasted amazing, although my panna cotta didn't completely set up, so I still have some work to do on that one. And how about you, Stefan? I know the answer to the marshmallow question, but how about your Turkish bakes? Right. I mean, building one of my resolutions to make homemade marshmallows into this month's bake-alongs really helped, didn't it? (laughs) (laughs) I absolutely loved making the marshmallows that we introed in episodes 153 and we reviewed in episode 154. And I especially loved learning all about their very ancient history, thanks to you. As far as the Turkish bakes, I will definitely be continuing my odyssey of Turkish baking, cooking, and eating, but I'll declare 19 for 19 success after I tackled real Turkish delight last November. If you're not familiar with this sweet, it's a soft candy similar in texture to the U.S. commercial candy applets and cutlets from our home state of Washington. (laughs) And in fact, I'm pretty sure Turkish Delights was their inspiration. Also, of course, it plays a crucial role in the children's classic, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. I was inspired to tackle these after reading a recipe by Tamil Ray in The Guardian's Saturday Feast magazine recently. I flavored my batch with a concentrated black currant powder. And the recipe was easy to follow, though a little time consuming. I thought the end result was beautiful. It was dark purple and kind of jiggly. But though I dearly love blackcurrant, I was really hoping for a punchier flavor. So in the future, I might try a citrus or something with a lot of zing. I had the most amazing Turkish delight when I was in London at a stop at a Turkish bakery on my Mayfair chocolate tour. Oh, yeah. The difference between freshly made and packaged is truly eye-opening. Yeah. I really loved how we worked together to get all of our listener-suggested resolutions, too. And I'm happy to report that I tackled the final one, an eight-strand challah, last month. If you follow along in our Facebook listeners group, you'll know that I made the challah bread and that it tasted delicious. So while the eight-strand execution didn't quite work out, I honestly didn't mind. I sliced it up and served it with an orange blossom honey butter, and it disappeared pretty quickly. So I'm still counting that one as a success. You know, I am so energized by our progress. I can't wait to start on our 20 for 20. Even though we're adding one more to our list, I feel like our momentum will carry us a long way. I know. We're so excited. We actually started compiling our 20 list this fall. Listeners, we'll spend some time next month talking about our new resolutions, and of course, we'll incorporate your feedback once again. But for now, we'll leave you with two. That's right. The first of our 20 is to create an original Biscoff muffin recipe inspired by the one I ate from UK-based Costa Coffee this fall, and I spoke about that in episodes 147 and 153. And the second is to develop a recipe using cake batter, which I was inspired to do after our orange marmalade cake last April in episode 122, and which I spoke more about in episode 144. I just can't wait. 2020 is going to be a delicious year. I can just taste it. Me too. Happy New Year, everyone. Well, the timer's buzzed, and we've got to get the sprinkles on top of this episode. We release new shows every Monday morning, and next week, it's a brand new year. If you feel like you may have overindulged this holiday season, and who among us hasn't, you'll want to stay tuned for a month devoted to downsized treats. 
They may be many, but they're sure to be mighty. Listeners, if you'd like to get an email and a link to the full show notes every week when our episode is released, subscribe to our newsletter by visiting our website, preheatedpodcast.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where we're at Preheated Pod. And if you like our show, please tell a friend and subscribe, and consider ranking and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you download our show. Until next time, I'm Stefan Cohn in London. And I'm Andrea Ballard in Olympia, Washington. Thanks for listening, and sweet dreams. Preheated is written, hosted, and edited by Andrea Ballard and Stefan Cohn in association with 24th Floor Productions. Happy New Year! Happy New Year!